Around the NFL Podcast is a figment of Mark Sessler's imagination. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. Dan Hans is here. Room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. Uh, a little bunker cast action today on Tuesday. A big Tuesday it is because Mark Sessler, he's not going to admit it. Because he's already, on some level, said he's thrown in the towel on the season. But he's nervous. Huge Browns matchup coming up on Thursday. He's nervous. I'm annoyed is what I am. And, I mean, if this is a figment, I'd like to also, is my, I'm having a bad hair day. Um, is that a figment of my imagination? Mm. I'm wearing a shirt that my parents sent me, you know, that was too, it's about two sizes too large for me. But one of the bunker cast um, benefits as I'm sure you know to some degree, is that people can't see anything other than this little box. And so the shirt looks presentable. Um, they can't see it? my hair from other angles. So Why is it then when moms send shirts? And it's adorable, and moms are amazing. Um, but they always send them like seven sizes too big. Like, what is up with that? I, I think that's what they, what's the, what they maybe want us to be. Like, I'm always like, are you eating well? Are you eating enough? Well, it's like you've sent me a shirt that I could fit three of me in. It's like a, this is a shirt for a 500-pound man, man, mother. What is happening mother. right now? <laughs> I just appreciate that Mark, you know, doesn't have to go into work. So he's going to put in the most comfortable thing he, he owns, a button-down, you know, checkered. Two sizes too big. 100% polyester. Well, I'm trying I've never worn this on our show before, so I'm premiering it right now. All right, this, this is a good one. Down. Good good pod. Good Tuesday pod. Like the Tuesday pod during the season. Chop it up a little bit. Have some fun. Arif Hassan, who covers the Vikings for the Athletic. I'm a, I love this Vikings team. I I've always had a soft spot for the Vikings, but the the complete stupidity of their 2021 season. It's just a big stupid dumb fun season so far. And as they hit their bye week at three and three, um, this feels like a good time to check in with Minnesota and Arif is a friend of the show. And I feel like he's going to give us some answers trying to figure out this team. So that's coming up. We also, the aforementioned Cleveland Browns have a very important football game, a monumentally important football game uh, coming up on Thursday. And we're going to get into that. We're going to preview that game against the Denver Broncos, two teams. Uh, sitting at three and three and trying to figure out what happens next in their season. But before that, well, before that, how are you, Greg? I'm great. Yeah. How, how great. Are you? That's, that's nice. I'm good. Uh, Deb and Keith, I, I picked them up at the airport today. So I got my parents in town. So my mom could give me a triple XL shirt size shirt in person. So that'll be nice. Um, and I'm going to have a couple Tito's with the old man and, uh, and enjoy the Mark Sessler Thursday night uh, recap a little later this week. I'm just I think all my sorts mom. Of I mean, I, I feel like my mom stopped giving me shirts. I don't know, 15 years ago, because I was because I was a jerk to her. I was, you know, I was just like, stop giving me shirts. I, I mean, know. Greg, we've posited that you were born right? 15 years ago, so it's you know, <laughs> at some point, you know, born you age 32, up. standing you all up. up, yeah. Um, no, but I think uh, what's what for me regenerated, um. My mom sending me uh, shirts as an adult male was being on the television, and she's like, sure. "Oh, you look sharp For in this sure. shirt. You look yeah. handsome." I want you mom. To wear come this. here. Here is my mom, by the way. Here's Deb Hans. Who just went in to get her purse. That's Debbie. Hi, Deb. Love her. Good to see she's her. The best. She's a legend. <laughs> Hi, guys. Did you bring me a shirt? Actually, I can't tell you what I brought you. It's a surprise. Oh, all right. Ooh, well, all right. That's better than most. We, we ruined the surprise. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's do some Monday Night Football. Allen under center. Sneaking. No, I don't he know. did not make that. I do not know. <laughs> Let's see where they spot it. He did not make that. The Titans think they have stopped it. Let's wait. Allen tried to sneak. He got nothing, or so it appeared. They got it. They got it. They did it. <laughs> they did it. Yes. Not yes. Not yes, hell yes! <laughs> when in doubt, get the radio call. Those guys are amazing homers, especially Mike Keith and Dave McGinnis for WGFX. Titans win. What a victory. What a victory for the Tennessee Titans, who, you know, a few weeks back, you know, fell on fell on their butts against the Jets of all teams. 
And now, in Monday night, they go toe-to-toe with the Buffalo Bills. Derrick Henry goes mad running for a buck 43 and three touchdowns. And they get that goal line stop at the end of the game. A lot of uh, hype and talk around that game and the decision Sean McDermott made to go for it there. Greg, um, your thoughts. Let's start there. Let's start at that fourth down. It's fourth and less than a yard. Uh, The Bills have a chance to tie the game. Instead, Sean McDermott leaves his offense on the field. Uh, the execution obviously wasn't there, but what did you think about the decision? Yeah, I, I like the decision. You know, I, I don't love Josh Allen's decision to kind of veer left there necessarily. Look like there's maybe a bigger hole on the right, but he slipped. I mean, a game comes down Greg, to Greg navigating slipping. the QB sneak strategy. I like it. I mean, it it's up to the QB where he goes. It it looks like there's a bigger hole there. Jeffrey Simmons is sitting there. They they kind of won it wasn't atypical of the night. I thought the Titans defensive line, even though they gave up a ton of yards and points, played pretty well on the interior. You know, it very much was a Mike Rabel, our guys are bigger than your guys type of game, which worked on when the Titans were on offense, did not work when the Titans were on defense, except in a couple spots, they won up front and they they got a little lucky there. That's what you need to do to beat the best team in the league. I mean, in the fact that Josh Allen, he's, he's 29 of 32 on third and fourth down sneaks career-wise. I like the decision personally. I, I think for me, coming out of this game, you know, it doesn't change how I feel about the Bills. They're they're four and two. They easily could be, you know, with a few things different, five and one. That's they fit right there. They're still for me the class of the AFC. But I, you know, Mia culpa because on our Friday around the NFL broadcast show, um, and I'm getting killed um by some people in the Tennessee area for this. I said that this game would be a primetime embarrassment for the Titans, and you're getting put into one of those little um, mashup films of every uh, talking head loser that you know predicted doom for Tennessee. Um, but you know, it's like I think that Week One crushing by the Cardinals uh, was a poison pill for a lot of people that just kind of wondered what Tennessee was going into this season. But it's Derrick Henry, and just watching him uh, run, I feel like his touchdown his early touchdown run that made it 7-6 was, it's just sort of a thundering announcement every time he barrels down the field that way. And I made this comparison before to you guys. I'm trying to figure out like how to describe what I see when I watch him run. And the closest thing I can come to is like a gigantic um, steel front door being dropped off the top of a building towards like, you know, 80 80, uh, you know, stories below onto crushing four or six cars. That's what he's capable this is of. Some, you're making my mind do like inception level, like gravity turns to try to figure out the comparison. But I get what you're saying, that he's a monster and a beast and pretty much unstoppable like gravity. I, You know, the Titans aren't like a, a great team. Well, they might not even be mm. a good team. They haven't however, had A.J. Brown and Julio Jones on the field together a tough almost team. at all, which is nice however. However, the one thing that the Titans are are battle-tested over the last couple of years, and they are afraid of no team. And I think we saw that if you put them, and this is why, Mark, I don't even remember you making that disparaging comment about their chances in this game. Um, but that's why when you think about it, you take a step back, you realize the pedigree of the team and what they've been able to do the last couple of years. The fact that they're playing at home, the fact that it's under the lights and that crowd was going to go mad, not that's stunning in retrospect, but at the same time, it's the Bills who have been a much better team this season. So you just got to give the Titans a ton of credit, and it really changes the shape of their season because I think they go from a team that a lot of people had questions about, whether it's the coaching staff or whether the roster is as good as it needs to be. Uh, well, now I feel like this is going to be similar to a lot of the other Titans teams where, yes, they're not going to go you know 14-3 and three here, but they'll go 10-7 and seven or 11-6, and six, and they could be trouble in the playoffs because they have – and I was thinking about this, boys. I'm curious where you come down on this. I'll start with you, Greg. Um, in my um, football fandom, uh, my choice for best running back of the century is Adrian Peterson. And when he was both before the knee injury and then that, especially that first year after the knee injury, I just thought he was special to the point where he was an all-time great. And this Derrick Henry, and it wasn't just yesterday, obviously, but this run that he's been on for three years, if he stays healthy this year – and puts together a record-breaking season and 2,000 yards again. Is he the best running back of the last 20, 25 years? Is this who we're watching in these games? I don't think so, but he's going to have the best numbers over a three-year stretch, the most dominant three-year stretch any runner's ever had. 
but I don't. I don't think he's. That doesn't mean I don't think he's. He's the best. Like I, success rate matters to me. He has so many unsuccessful plays, and it's worth it. He's obviously a great runner. Um, but the fact that he piles up those one, two yard runs before he ends up breaking him, I personally would take a a guy like a Peterson or a Danian Tomlinson if we if we throw Falk into this century. Uh, certainly him ahead of him because they're winning in so many different ways, okay. play after play. Now that said. If he stays healthy, right now he's on pace for 500 touches. He's on pace, so he's breaking new bounds even for the big dog. 450 carries. If he can keep up that pace and he can lead the league in rushing rushing touchdowns and attempts for the third straight year, I mean, that, it's never been done, so that part of it's unquestioned. That, like, statistically, no one's ever had a three-year dominant stretch. OJ, I went and looked for this. Like, OJ was pretty close. Um, Tomlinson was, was pretty close, uh, and Peterson certainly, but, but never, never this dominant. I would take Adrian Peterson, um, along with Greg on that, but I love the idea of what Derrick Henry is accomplishing during this span in 2021, not back when Peterson played, when there were a, you know, a laundry list of featured backs back then that you could count on fantasy wise or whatever to get a certain amount of carries. I mean, it is just an atypical but, age for Derrick Henry to subsist in. And like, I love him. I love watching game. him. Like they would have, they, I think they would have been blown out in the first half. Tannehill played one of the worst halves he's played all year. Um, the, the bills get stopped two times inside the 10, you know, one time Josh Allen misses a pretty open receiver in the end zone. Another time Titans make a, you know, a good stop. Um, but for the most part, the Bills' offense is doing what they wanted. And if Henry doesn't pop off that run and Henry doesn't keep them afloat in these games, like, they're done. Like, I want to see what this offense looks like with and with uh, A.J. Brown and Julio healthy and together. And I don't even think we got that last night because they're going, you know, Julio's but going aren't, in. But, Greg, aren't they done the last three-plus years without Derrick yeah. Henry? They're not yeah, who he's they it. are. But this is extra because the offensive line, to me, is a lot worse protecting Tannehill. And the defense is still showing very little signs of life. They had they had a couple last night, but not not many. Taylor Luan got hurt in this game. Uh, two more quick things on uh, Henry. One, yeah, the, the long touchdown run changed that game. Two, um, his straight-line speed on the touchdown run was the fastest, uh, according to the next-gen stats, any running back has reached this season. So when we're talking about a unicorn, one of one, a guy of his size that is uh, the fastest running back this season as well on a play, yes? That would be the speed of an iron door being dropped off a building. It's the same actual <laughs> Gravity, speed. Baby. And how about um, this? I know yes. that this will be completely left out of the lineup because it's an ill. Uh, it landed in an ill way for the two of you. Um, Buffalo special. Why are we not trying for a helmet catch on that play there? I mean, is there, are we just going to continue to because sweep it's easy to that do sensation the, the under the run? That's, e- no, that's why everybody does it. There's nothing unique about it. It's not spe- it's it's ironic the Philly special actually isn't really special cuz everyone has it, it in their place. It playbook. was when it occurred. It has been copied. That something is copied does not mean that it wasn't initially a an original site. I'm sorry Mike, you'll never get those sandwiches. But and the well, listeners simply can because keep of on you two lugheads. Coming at that's- it. Um and here's my last note on Buffalo boys is for all and you check under the hood and all the advanced analytics says this is the best team in football. They're four and two record. That's fine. They're gonna be fine in the AFC East. I think this is a eleven twelve win team. Uh they will be in contention, I think, for the bye. Uh so everything's I think good for Buffalo. But it is it is interesting to note that they're number one or close to it in almost every major offensive category, except for red zone conversion, where they're twenty sixth. Now, I think they're too good. Uh, to not get that straightened out. And I would imagine that Sean McDermott's going to be working hard on that to figure that out. But we saw it in this game, Greg, you noted it. Killed them. They stalled, including their game ending on a stall inside the 10-yard line. That's something they need to get better at. Right. They lost the fourth quarter 10 to nothing. They, they, it felt like they could have put up about 45, 50 points. They didn't. And I think this is a bad matchup for them. They got, you know, the Titans put up a 40-burger on them last year, too. They are a lightweight, faster-flowing defense, and the Titans aren't that complicated. They are just big, especially on offense. They are trying to bully you, and it seems to work. It's just another reminder, like, no matter how good your defensive stats are, you're probably going to be mediocre if you play against a really good offense who's playing well. Because every stat was that they're the best defense you know, in the league, but it's really just they've played pretty lackluster offenses. And when they got up against a team that was playing pretty well in the second half, 
Uh, and they got a, a few, a little help by their defense keeping them in there. They they got run over. Also, and you gotta one, love one, this. Go ahead. No, no, go finish, Greg. No, mine was I was gonna veer off into some game broadcast criticism, which is you know my special. All right, we'll circle back to that, Mark. Go ahead. I was just gonna say that I mean you have to love where the Bills are set up. I mean after the bye, they play the Dolphins, Jaguars, and Jets, so they're about to be seven and two. All right, now, Greg, please on your broadcasting tips. Let's hear some Greg game broadcast honking. Well, we we've gone back and forth about this crew, and all I've got to say is they didn't discuss whether that was a good decision or not to go for it in the moment. Like literally it didn't come up. They didn't, they didn't explain the situation. They had a timeout to work with too in there that uh, ended up being taken, I believe by the Titans didn't come up just sort of overwhelmed by the moment. I put that on the play by play more to set it up for the thing, but it's crazy to watch. It's I mean, a crazy situation. And overwhelmed I'm, I'm by the moment it. feels a little Strong, but <laughs> I, I see what you're saying. I don't know. Maybe and I, this isn't letting him it off just the like hook. happened. It literally just happened. Like the conversation's happening on Twitter, um, but it, it's not happening in the broadcast. And that was one of you know that is a moment that like coaches would have never gone for that in the past. Right. They, he he did it with no hesitation here. It decides the whole game, and it took until after the play of being like, oh, to, I like the like that. To your point on that, it's, it's yes, bad play by play. It right. is the job of one of those three dudes to bring it up. Um, and also the reason why you bring it up is not just to say, oh, by the way, you can kick a field goal here because the audience knows that, but I think it does speak to a larger shift as Greg notes there in the way head coaches, or at least the smart ones now operate, which is if the game's on the line or I need a huge play and I could choose the conservative route, or I could put the game in the hands of my best player. You're seeing that more and more now. And that's what McDermott did. And maybe it's becoming so common that the guys didn't think to bring it up uh, rather than they were overwhelmed. But um, no, I think it's that, worth it's no worthy bringing it up. I think if I don't know if McDermott got killed for it after the game, if he did shame on whoever did it, because that's just I, I think if you're the Bills and you're walking in that tunnel, you're thinking to yourself, man, eight or nine times out of ten, we win this game. Uh, and mm. it just didn't come up our way because, man, these 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 primetime games, and it happened last week with Baltimore and Indy, they're weird. These are strange games, and they're like what I do with the power rankings. Sometimes I, I'm trying to figure out, like, do you have to add, like, that weird, like, Monday night voodoo when trying to figure out what it means for a team and what does it say about them? Because just weird stuff tends to happen in these games. Here's what it says, though. The Bills' defense didn't get a stop. Literally no stops in the second half with a chance to win on the road. Yeah. So it's... That's that was a little surprising to me. Count the truly dominant defenses in football right now. Like, who's out there? Truly dominant? I, Even the ones yeah. we talk up, like we talked up How the about Chargers ones a bunch trust. earlier in the Week season. And then they, uh, the, yeah, the I think Browns. there's some that can create problems, but th- there's no there's no truly dominant one. I mean, the, we, I meant, the Browns, the Browns are a defense that has struggled. The Chargers. Uh, the Rams have had their struggles. Like all the teams that you kind of circled, even the Bucks. I know it's a lot of injuries here too. Um, I'd put the you know. Bucks in that. I'd trust the Bucks to figure out whatever issues they encounter. I don't think the Buff- the Bills' defense is a total mirage. By the way, it's just you know, no bad they matchup. Got, they got beat. You know? They got beat in a bad matchup. The tit- Titans need um, need Julio to to stay out there. I feel like to them for them to. Realize their potential. That seems it's getting harder and harder to do as he gets older. Um, AJ Brown also is, you know, he has some chronic uh, health issues. So there's, you know, with the Titans, everything has to. I'm very happy for Gravedigger. I'm sure that was a a, a thrilling win. Uh, it must be cool when that happens for your team. Um, but also, a lot of things are going to have to go right for the Titans to make a uh, a deep trip into the playoffs. I mean, it was a heroic performance by A.J. Brown, by all accounts. Derrick Henry said after the game, he's just glad that they had enough toilet paper uh, in the facility uh, to to deal with the food poisoning uh, that A.J. Brown was dealing with and in, in how much um, he was pooping, I guess. Uh, th- I think that's what he was and, suggesting. Multiple days. Yes, he got it from Chipotle. He said he will not be getting a, a um, uh, any sponsorship, probably you know, calling Chipotle out. But it was it was Chipotle, and he goes seven for ninety one. It was best game of the year. Just turned my stomach a little bit. That's some graphic <laughs> toilet paper talking a big spot, right? As if Derrick Henry is in charge of the toilet paper supply inside the Titans building. He had he, he could have been he farther said that away was like from the MVP. Whoever supplying all that toilet paper to Brown one of the great there. toilet yeah. paper stories ever in NFL history was the last time. 
the Jets went to London uh, against the Dolphins, they they said, you know, we've heard stories about the quality of the toilet paper in England. So they shipped 350 rolls of toilet paper uh, to London um, to uh, take care of their heinies in a big spot. Now, and they won. That's, so that, that's focus on what matters from the Jets organization. So they got the W that game. Um, all right. That's Monday Night Football. Let's talk Vikings. And to do that, we will welcome back certified friend of the show. Listen, not a member of the Hit It and Quit It Brigade. And our live show is in London. People are asking, who are the guests that are on the Hit It and Quit It list? Maybe we shared, maybe we didn't. You'll never know. But one person who's back, because we like him, is Arif Hassan, who covers the Vikings for The Athletic. And uh, Arif, welcome back to the Around the NFL podcast. It's been a couple months. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me back on. I mean, uh, we have to be the only like national podcast. It's just like, man, let, we haven't talked to any you know kind of team reporters in the in the country in a long time. Like, where do we go first? It's Vikings. It's during the bye week. <laughs> it's this beautiful, yeah, it's, it's a three and three team. Absolutely, team is yeah. like it is fascinating. It is a fascinating so, team. Weirdly, though, I, I love the Vikings. I, I I enjoyed watching them really for the balance of the Kirk Cousins era. There's just all sorts of stuff going on around this team and. And you've been covering a Vikings team this year that has been all over the map, where they've looked terrible, they've looked great, they've had late game meltdowns, late game heroics. Uh, so three and three, I guess, is about right from where for where they are right now. Uh, but wh- where do you see this team in terms of like a, a ceiling and a floor? Because mm. it's kind of hard to figure that out where we stand. Yeah, it, like it, sometimes it just feels like judging teams by records leaves so much information on like the cutting room floor, right? Because there's like three three teams that are average, right? And then there's three and three teams that are completely all over the place that you could just be anything, right? And and that's exactly what the Vikings are. Uh, you know, when the offense is rolling, it's a really good offense. You're top eight, you know, maybe offense, maybe even better than that. Uh, and the defense has looked really good. You know, Patrick Peterson's not healthy anymore, but you know, when he was healthy, it's looked really good the past you know couple of games. And so you know, if that happens. At the same time, it's a really good team that's got a shot to make the playoffs. But, you know, that hasn't happened at the same time. Either the defense is carrying them or the offense is carrying them. Hasn't been both. Uh, and so when those things kind of collapse, you know, they're they're a bottom-tier team. You know, the offense can't get going. Play action's not working. Deep shots aren't there. Defense is giving up, you know, big plays. So, you know, I, I kind of wish I had an answer to kind of what trajectory the Vikings are on. But like it is a it is a wide band of outcomes. I mean, I could I could see them pulling off a run of like five straight wins. I mean, a tough part of the schedule to do that. But you know, I could see that. Um, I could see them doing five straight losses. I could see them losing by multiple scores. I could see them winning by multiple scores. Anything is on the table with this team. <laughs> Total chaos. Yeah, I think it's got to be the best Kirk Cousins has looked to me in Minnesota, and that's a reasonably high bar. But I I just feel like he's playing so well right now. And he's playing a little freer. I mean, they keep putting him in positions to set up a game tying or game winning field goal. And if, <laughs> and if I'm right, I think he's four for four. Uh, you know, Joseph isn't four for four, but I think he's gotten him in. Well, that he had position. the Browns game. That was the only time that he wasn't able to do it. Right, right. and that was like a Dalvin. Cook. Like, yeah, yeah, the, that was there, that was a little been, different. But like when you when it was just he, like he hey, has we not need a field screwed goal, up a, a game winning drive attempt. Yeah, right, and did and at the end of that game last week. I, actually, I want you, since we've talked about this so much on the TV show, to, to break down the shove uh, with Zimmer. Because I'd like to talk about Cousins' play, but the, the interpersonal <laughs> dynamics between the shove and the moment that Zimmer's face appeared to be truly angry at Kirk Cousins. Or just like, who, what me, is happening? I'm getting shoved oh, right yeah. now. Like, what do you think is going on? Let me on just tee it up for the moment. audience that might not know. This was the conclusion of the Week 5 game when Greg Joseph hit the field goal to save them from absolute horror. A home loss to the Lions. Reef, take it away. Yeah, I think I think Cousins is just like trying to be a dude. He's just a guy trying to be a dude. Uh, I don't I don't know that he's got a lot of experience in that department. So you know he initiates contact. Zimmer, I don't think likes it when other people initiate contact. So I think like reflexively, you know, he's reacting to that. But yeah, I, I think they're kind of enjoying the moment and they're caught up in the emotions. And Zimmer's got a reflexive response. It doesn't help that like the one guy is holding Zimmer back, and that makes everything look like ten times more like dynamic than it actually is like Zimmer's about to like throw one on Cousins and of course the next week there's a there's a shot obviously taking
taken by the Vikings. But there's a shot of them coming out of, uh, of, of Panther Stadium into the tunnel where they're, like, waltzing or something. I don't know. But I, I feel like that is like a direct response to the to the weird coverage surrounding, which I entirely deserved weird coverage, by the way, surrounding the you know Cousins and, and Zimmer's reaction to the game winning field goal. I would ask you this: I mean, it's like the I think there's these camps that you know now everyone is in love with Kirk Cousins over the last couple of weeks. That's fine, but it's been long stretches of time where it's the Kirk Cousins is the reason the Vikings can't go from kind of good to great. I'd, I would ask you, though, is maybe, you know, you look around the league and we've got all these young, aggressive coaches. And I listened to your pod, Norse Code, which I think is a great name for a Vikings pod. And you talked about <laughs> even watching last night's game where like, oh, wait, there are fans out there like a Titan fan that has the experience of just watching their team go in and do what they do well, focus on their strengths and manhandle someone else the way that you'd hope. And you're looking at the Vikings, and it's, it's like this hot and cold thing. Is it actually maybe Zimmer, who is the guy who's on my radar, is holding this whole operation back? Because to me, he feels like someone who's stuck in like 1996, while the rest of the league is evolving <laughs> and changing. And he's also very cantankerous. I don't know. Like, is he happy? Oh, I, is anyone I get happy it. I get with it. him? What's going on here? <laughs> I get it. And thanks for the podcast plug. It means I don't have to do it. Sure. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Zimmer's, like, really weird because, you know, in some aspects of football, he's, like, way ahead of the curve. He's, like, a really innovative defensive mind. He's very flexible when it comes to that defense. I mean, they've changed and shifted their coverage rules, their coverage shells, what they like to do on defense so many times. I mean, a lot of people know him for the double-A gap look, but there was, like, a period of time in the middle of his tenure with the Vikings where he didn't do that very much at all. He just found other ways to create one-on-one matchups, and a lot of people are taking what he does from a front perspective and applying it, you know, to defenses nowadays. And so um, there's some areas where he's very innovative, very adaptable. And there's some areas where he's just like, yeah, you got to run the ball to win. I mean, that's just how football is. And so <laughs> you just kind of have to, like, figure out where he is uh, in, in some respects. In that regard. Like, last year, they were one of the more aggressive teams on fourth down. If you take a look at, you know, the various bots out there about, you know, is it good to go for it or not? The Vikings were like a top 10 team on fourth down aggressiveness. This year, they're like third to last. Um, so it, it, sometimes it's just like very weird to figure out kind of where the Vikings are. Um, I, I don't know that, that Zimmer is directly holding back the offense from being kind of a, a pass-forward, innovative offense, but I know that his presence kind of does that because the only types of offensive coordinators that he's ever going to hire or bring on board are the types of offensive coordinators that agree with him in the running game. So I don't think he's like interfering with like the way the game is called and asking for um, them to do this in the game plan. He tried doing that with John Filippo, and that did not work out, so he just fired him. Uh, and so he brings in offensive coordinators that, are, that and, and, you, and you take a look at like what Pat Shermer did after he left. You take a look at what Kevin Stefanski's done after Zimmer's left. And they're doing the same stuff that they did, you know, with Zimmer. So uh, it's entirely about kind of who he's bringing to the building and the culture that he's trying to establish, which is, I think, from an offensive point of view, a little bit backwards. Now, Clint Kubiak comes from that tradition. He is doing some kind of newer stuff. The Vikings are doing motion a little bit more. I think they've hit league average in pre-snap motion rates. Um, they're much more willing to have three receivers on the field at a time, which, like, what an innovation that is. Uh, <laughs> but, like, it is a little bit more modern. The Vikings are getting rid of the ball really quickly now. Like, I think Cousins has one of the faster times to throw. First time in his career that he's ever been in, in the top ten in that category. Um, so they are doing some new stuff. But within that framework of yeah, I mean, Dalvin Cook gets the ball 30 times, you win the game. That's just math. Like, that's the framework that that sometimes that they're still operating under. Uh, but And, you know, back to the shove. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like the main reason I wanted to reef on the show today. Um, I'm sorry. Um, but so does Zimmer and Cousins, they like each other? Let's be honest. Let's, like, uh, uh, just be real. They can. <laughs> does, does, has any quarterback that's played for Zimmer like has he like really liked? Oh, Teddy it? and you know Zimmer I mean? were close. Okay. Like, like, okay. like uh, Teddy and Zimmer were like father Everyone and son. Teddy. Honestly, yeah. Um, like Zimmer was real broken up about the fact that they had to move on from Teddy. Which I mean, did they have to? I don't know. I think he's kind of maybe transferred that resentment onto Cousins. <laughs> like, I think that's kind of an unfair, like, uh, you know, son-in-law sort of like you have to live up to these expectations sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, we asked because uh, the Broncos held joint practices uh, with the Vikings this year, and we asked Zimmer about Teddy because, of course, we did. Why wouldn't we ask about that? And he just like went off like about how much he loved the kid, which is great. I mean, you're right, everybody loves Teddy, but it's like very much. Like when when 
when Cousins gets hit, like, in the head when he's sliding or something like that, yeah, Zimmer will be mad and he'll yell. But, like, when that happened to Teddy, especially, I think, against the Rams a couple of years ago, uh, Zimmer went onto the field. He was ready to fight some <laughs> players. He yelled at refs three different times in the same game. I mean, this is poetry to Greg here. So just, you know, this is such a Kirk Cousins storyline, though, because this was his thing in Washington. Oh, yeah. The talk yeah. of, like, <laughs> well, the coaches and the players, they don't really, like, love the guy. Had, has his level of play helped change that? I think so. Do you think so. in Minnesota? Because they obviously, like, Jefferson and Oz, like, they obviously must respect him. He's delivering some dimes right now, and he's coming oh, yeah. up pretty big in big moments. I think Osborne especially, right? Like, a, a guy that didn't even get an offensive snap last year had, like, less than 600 yards in his final year of college. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. Osborne, I think, is probably on board with what Cousins is doing right now. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I think that he's earned their respect, but I think respect earned through solely through level of play is, like, fairly thin ice, right? Because that can just fall off if your play falls off. Whereas, like, you know, Teddy won a locker room, right? Like, he just, like, he's not even playing all that well and people love him, right? And so, um, I, that that's, a, I think, a little bit harder to lose that kind of respect. Um, mm-hmm. So, that's kind of the question, right? If, if Cousins kind of folds, right? And, and he's a streaky quarterback. Like, you're right, especially the beginning of this year. Cousins was on this incredible hot streak. Um, now it's, like, a little bit less true, but he's still kind of up there in terms of, like, a lot of statistics and, like you said, clutch moments. But if, but if, but if the streak turns the other direction, which historically it has, you know, is he going to be able to maintain that respect? I mean, I've Justin Jefferson, his rookie year, um, yeah, and these were just field outbursts, so they might not mean much, but there was, like, a time where he, he got caught on the mic you know, yelling that he was open and Kirk didn't throw it to him, right? Um, I, I believe, you know, uh, he cursed a little bit of a blue imagine streak if, as well. But, imagine so, if Kirk Cousins know. was actually a bad quarterback. He'd be like the most hated man in NFL history. Oh, he's out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, that, that's the problem. I think you have to be, like, exactly that good to, like, create that level of resentment, right? Because you get the feeling that you're like – because right. people didn't, like, hate Christian Ponder. They were just like, I would like to move on, but he's a good guy. Right. It's not his fault. With Cousins, it's like, I know you can do this. Why aren't you doing this? Mm, I see a new Kirk. Like, and that that touchdown to Osborne, his underneath receiver was open. And it's like, Kirk, Kirk went for oh, it. Oh, yeah, he, he went it. for the yeah. He went for the kill shot. He's like, I'm not leaving this up to Greg Joseph or, or letting Zimmer <laughs> run the ball on third and long to set up a 50-yard field goal. I'm, like, going to go for the win right now, not take the first down. I, I do feel like he's... He's playing like a little he's different, scrambling a little, more. A little he's, freer. He's scrambling yeah, he's a little play, bit. Yeah, he's, he's more playing fun a little to watch. bit freer. I would yeah, just say sure. let's talk in a month. But okay, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm in the. I, I like being part of this. Mark's Kirk mad because I said like you know Kirk Cousins is like a you know Baker Mayfield's future if he's lucky right now. I mean, at this point, he would want he should want to be Kirk. Oh, Cousins. now now you're just starting fights with a guest on the show. <laughs> we don't have time for this. Are I we, get it. I, I get. It. I think there's a lot of cousins in the league, right? There's, there's. You've got your Garoppolo's and your Mayfields and your Tannehills, right? Sure. They all have various degrees of, of how much yeah. they're willing to play, kind of looser with the rules. Like Mayfield and Tannehill, a little bit looser. Garoppolo's a little bit tighter. But yeah, no, I get it. I'm, I'm on board. It's just like it's a tough thing to say while Baker's like plugging through an injury. He probably shouldn't plug through. <laughs> um, diagn- and we're gonna talk about Baker in, in a minute uh, with our TNF preview. But before we say goodbye to Arif. I'm going to do it. I know you just said they're capable of winning five in a row. They're capable of losing five in a row. And that's certainly true. But at the end of the day, we come to you for the bottom line. And I'm setting the Vikings over under final win total at nine and a half. Where are you coming in? Uh, well, it's like six more games. with Okay. Um, yeah, I see it. I see it. Uh, I'm going to take the over. nine and a half. I'll take... I'll take the over. I, I don't know. It's more fun if I take the over, so I'll just take yeah. the over. Right. right. <laughs> They're a playoff team then because yeah. that NFC, it's very murky. You know, you have those yeah. superpower teams at the very top, and then there's a lot of room uh, for you to win, you know, nine nine games Ooh. might get you in and a wild yeah. card. Yeah, and the, and the underlying numbers for, like, the Packers are, are not that great. Like, there's a there's an opportunity. I'm not saying they're better than the Packers, but there's an opportunity. They have, they have five more division games, which is, you know, a big chunk of the schedule, but they also have the Cowboys – at the Ravens and Chargers, mm-hmm. at the 49ers, the Rams are in there. Like, this is just like a lot of, a lot more insanity to come. I do feel like this was a good choice, oh, no. Dan. Like, the Vikings are just going to be a great supporting character in this 2020 season. That's a season. great way to I don't put know, it. I don't know how yeah. it's going to play realized? out, but they really Yeah, will. they're Jughead for sure. <laughs> they're such a Jughead team, and this is good for Arif as, as the beat guy, but like, doesn't it feel in the stars that this particular, and they, the Vikings are infamous for having 
uh, crushing losses across the spectrum, regular season and playoffs. This, more than any other Vikings team, seems like they're built for some type of Greek tragedy of epic proportions come January. I hope it doesn't happen because Vikings fans don't deserve more of that. Ooh, but I'm a little worried about this team in particular. Oh, yeah, they're setting up all kinds of B-plots. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, yes, check out Norse Code, uh, Reef's podcast uh, on the Minnesota Vikings. Also, that Wide Left podcast. This guy's got content all over the place. Arif Hassan, thank you, buddy, for joining us, and uh, enjoy the rest of the season. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. There we enjoy go. it. See you, Arif. Bye week. A little bye week check-in on the Minnesota Vikings. Why are they talking about one team? We want to talk about all the teams. Relax. We enjoy it. And we feel like not just Vikings fans enjoy it as well. It's good to get a little, we, get a little deeper. We literally talk about all thirty-two teams except for the bye week teams um, th- three different times every week on the Thursday preview, on the Sunday recap, and uh, on the Friday around the NFL broadcast. We're drilling in, possibly too much. I, I, you know, <laughs> to be fair, depending on who the listener is. We, we should right. just spend Tuesday just, like, talking officiating and TV broadcast teams just to save our... our that sound like, sounds like Greg's solo pod, not something that, we, <laughs> that we're choosing to be on. But now what you're really here for, Browns talk on the Around the NFL podcast. Thursday night football, Denver Broncos at Cleveland Browns. Two 3-3 three and three teams. Once upon a time, the Browns were 3-1. and one, The Broncos were 3-0. and oh, uh, But both squads have fallen on hard times. It was announced on Thursday that Nick Chubb will not play uh, on Thursday night. We already know Kareem Hunt, who suffered that calf injury late in Sunday Sunday's loss. Uh, he is on the shelf for an extended period, uh, weeks. He'll be out, unfortunately. And then you have the saga Mark Sessler of Baker Mayfield, who um, revealed to the media this week that he had, you know, he suffered the, the labrum tear. It's a complete tear of the labrum, he's now telling us. And, uh, the, you know, the injury that he suffered on Sunday against the Cardinals is added complexity to what's going on. And yet, he had a quote today that I'm the one who decides if I play or not, and I'm playing. Uh, I'm pa- paraphrasing a little bit there. Is there somebody that might need to step in to protect Baker from Baker? Oh, I don't know if, I'm ne- if I need to go there. Um, well, I, I asked I mean- you the question. Well, I mean, but I don't because I because I think it's spinning it like Baker's being reckless and out of control. I think he just desperately wants to play uh, the no, same it's also way. Not true. The same it's way also the doctor, not true. The medical professionals play can stop him from playing if they if they believe he shouldn't play, they will stop him from playing. So I just, I would want that just, out of out of a quarterback that you know you're going to need people to drag him off the field to not get in there. And I don't think every NFL quarterback is that way. Um, do I think he should? I mean, I guess, you know, that's up to them. But I, I think that he's been hindered. I mean, you saw how much he was in severe pain after he re-injured it in that last game. I think it does um, affect what you could ask Baker Mayfield to do on things like rollouts and c- certain, you know, s- some of the stuff that I think he was more effective at last year. Like the percentage of those plays they've run has gone down a bunch in the last couple of weeks. Um and, you know, he's in a tough spot. You, you look at the Browns, and, you know, if the both teams are 3-3, three and three, there's no question that, you know, I'm seeing stuff already on Twitter that the Browns are the most disappointing team in the NFL. I mean, injuries, you cannot blame everything on injuries. But in this game, they've been stripped of the identity we've latched onto all offseason and through last year, which is the best offensive line in the league, which may not have either tackle. We'll see. They haven't put either of those guys on IR, which I think is uh, notable that they're going to be playing soon. But this Thursday, we don't know. Best backfield in the league, completely gone. Uh, you know, you just, you've got wideouts that are banged up. So who's going to step up? Is it going to be the defense that was completely overwhelmed and flamed by the Cardinals against this Teddy Bridgewater Broncos offense? Maybe, but they've got plenty of weapons too. I don't like the setup for the Browns at all. I think the Browns, after last year coming out of that season, saying that Kevin Stefanski outside of a couple wipeouts early on by AFC North foes, was the coach of the year and someone that you could trust implicitly with game plans week after week, has had some issues up in this season up and down. I mean, they, I, I love them going forward on fourth downs. 
but they have been terrible on these fourth down attempts. It's cost them points. Um, you don't veer away from that strategy. I get it. You'd be absolutely removed from the media to suggest as much in 2021. Everyone wants to go for it on fourth and everything. And that's who they are, but they've not been successful. And a lot of that is on Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield has not played well in three weeks. I, I, the Chargers game, he played well, but like he did not do what you need a quarterback to do at the very end. I'm with you with on that, guys. I'm not trying to stick up for him left and right. Um, this is a very tough spot. And Von Miller, before you know, today basically <laughs> announced that he is going to destroy whoever, whatever human Mark's being they attempt to put at left the tackle. Game for the Browns is directly correlated to how long his monologue is. Well, no, because you know you get you get one shot on this show to talk, so then it's over. But I'll tell you something else. Like, I'm, it's not nerves. It's not nerves. It's like I, they are. You can have like, as many I, shots as you want. If anything, I feel I feel honestly, and, and may, you guys may deal with your fandom differently. Like. My my move is typically to start to detach emotionally because I I don't really like where this is going. The vibe is ill right now. I don't like the vibe of the Browns at all. I told you that going into the Cardinals game. They don't stack up, and now they're completely depleted. Well, this, this matchup sets up perfect because the Broncos are, if not the worst, among the worst teams in terms of pass rush, in terms of pass rush win rate. Uh, so you would think you don't get after Baker too much. I'd love to see... You know, if those tackles are playing, I think they both might. We we don't know. That's a huge factor. The issue with Baker's injury, though, and saving him from himself is he, he's the one that keeps getting himself hurt. His number one fault as a player is getting sacked. He is second worst in the NFL in like a stat PFF has, which is like converted pressure into sacks. He's one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the league, and yet he's one of the least pressured quarterbacks in the league. You can see it. He thinks he's Russell Wilson. He thinks he's Aaron Rodgers. The play he got hurt on was a play. He just held it forever, and he thinks he's going to make these plays, and he does sometimes. I mean, he couldn't have made that Hail Mary without great escapability and incredible arm. But more than those great, like, he doesn't make them at a rate that it's worth it, and he gets sacked a lot. And a lot of the time, it's on him. Like, they have protected him well, and, and the calibration of when to let go of the ball has not been there this year, especially on Sunday against the Cardinals. Like, those sacks were on him. And so that's it, – it's a lot of things. It's receivers. It's the, it's the offensive game plan. But, like, that's the number one thing I think he needs to fix. And I think the Broncos are a great team to do it against because they're really struggling to do anything defensively. We thought they'd be a good defensive team – and they're giving up 30 a week right now. They're banged Denver up is, too at, at linebacker. Denver has lost uh, three straight games. And uh, yeah, they, they're not getting after the quarterback. They're struggling to protect Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater, when he's pressured, is making mistakes. Uh, he had three interceptions, uh, one of them in garbage time. But he didn't play well at all last week. He was sacked five times. They're missing opportunities. So it's like... My take on the Browns, because yes, they are banged up. A lot of teams are banged up. The Browns are especially banged up right now. But you just no-showed against the Chargers. You're in your building. It's a short week. You got a struggling Denver team. Miles Garrett, clean up, kick ass, win this game on your own. Baker, if you're playing, find a way to get Odell Beckham involved. Make some big plays. Get a couple splash plays. You're not going to need to score a ton of points to beat the Denver Broncos, uh, but you're going to need to score a couple touchdowns. And I think there are there's still star talent intact in Cleveland and at home on a short week against a struggling team win a game and then get take the mini buy and and try to get healthy i think that's that this is like a survive in advance because i think if cleveland doesn't win this game all the things that you're saying mark about kind of the bad vibes and the bad juju around it it's going to amplify and there's they're going to be really if you're hearing buzz now about the browns being one of the most dis- disappointing teams if they lose at home on Thursday to the Broncos, it's going to be amplified times two. So they got to find a way in this game. And, and to your point with Miles Garrett, I mean, Teddy was sacked five times. He took 13 hits against the Raiders. Um, the Raiders blitzed on 3.6% of the time that game. So, you know, that's another quarterback that's taking punishment. And this defense, for all for how stacked their secondary is, they have t- given up 23 pass plays that are 20-plus yards, which is... Worse than all but seven other teams in the league. So there should be opportunities. This defense has not become what we thought it would be in August. Not yet. Uh, and their offensive line is not, is, is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. So Miles Garrett does need to show up. He has to have one of those games where you unquestionably look at him as a defensive player of the year type candidate. E- even Three last sacks, week, force though, a they, fumble, go nuts. 
even last week though, I thought their defense kept them competitive in a in a in a way that you know the offense couldn't stack up. There was a stretch in that game where they 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 forced a couple three and outs in a row, and they stopped the Cardinals from scoring touchdowns on short fields either two or three times in a row, and that was like a five drive set. There and that's where the offense needs to st- like it's 2021. Your offense needs to take advantage during that stretch. You can't ask for that much more against the Cardinals. If you throw away the Chargers game when they didn't have Clowney or Ward and they really were injured on defense or getting healthier now, I I think they've generally shown they can they can beat some bad teams or that they can make a difference. It's right now the Broncos offense is mediocre at best. You're counting on Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton to make plays. Javante Williams is absolutely a good running back, but this is a mid-level offense that was counting on their defense to be very good. Instead, the defense is is as bad or worse than the offense. I do think the Browns have more players. I think they have more ways that they can beat you. I'd love to know that the tackles are playing or even one of them. That certainly would help the passing game against Denver, but I do think that the matchup works out okay because Denver right now, they just can't get after the passer. And I think the Browns will be able to score enough to win. They got to win this game. They are favored, not not by a ton, but if Baker's playing, you got to win this game. You can't go three and four, you know, when you're really honestly playing a team in Denver that uh, is beatable. No matter, I, I right. the injuries are one thing. I'm not putting this all on the injuries. I mean, you're right, Dan. That like there are five or six teams that are scattered on that front. Look at the right Ravens. Now. Well, the Ravens, you know, they have 17 players on IR that leads the league. They're not all premier players, but you're right. Like, their position groups were wiped out going into the year. I mean, look at the Broncos. Where's the excuses? They, right. The Broncos are, are very similar, and Teddy Bridgewater showed the strain of it last week. Like, he collapsed in that game. He he played an awful game, by far his worst Where are game. we at, Greg, on the uh, team of, uh, was it Thal? The team of Thal? Team of T-H-A-L. T-H-A-L. I mean, they're not playing well. <laughs> I thought the defense would be a lot better. They're hurt. Um, uh, that, you know... They're going to get Jerry Judy back, which I, I think will help, but it's not going to be for this game. Uh, it doesn't look like. And like that was what was going to make them special. Like, all of these guys to throw to, plus a good defense. The defense, like, isn't good. That surprises me. I think Fangio maybe can figure some things out. They're still healthy in the secondary. They shouldn't be this bad. Uh, but they need to win this game, too. This is kind of a, you know, boat sailing and direct mm. different, you know. Uh, Bork in the road game. To, to, uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. That's it. Fangio's the, answering it, questions about his job future already, right, me, if, which is not surprising. If the Broncos could win this game, they get to 4-3 and three. again. They hope they get Judy back, and like you just hope that this is a bad stretch of the season. If their defense doesn't get better than this, I mean, I mean they're, cooked. they're cooked. Pinch yourself, Greg. You got Geno uh, in prime time, like three or four weeks in a row here. Geno versus Jameis in prime time. Geno versus Jameis. You got... And now you're going to get um, the team of Thal um, in prime time against Mark's Brownies. And by the way, Mark is, I'll be uh, uh, listening in like the rest of you. Mark says he has a special guest joining him for the Thursday night recap. So, I mean, I feel like win or lose, you're going to want to check out and see, uh, get Sessler's temperature. Well, I, by the way, that wasn't some sort of power move where I removed you from the TNF recap. This was something, you know, behind the scenes, you have family there. So, I'm I'm hoping that you're no, okay with you. No, you you said uh, you will take a seat and I will make a power move. Th- those are your exact words. Th- that sounds like something I'd say, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope it works out for you, Mark. Well, um, isn't it better for you if it goes terribly, terribly poor, and then I have no, to respond a, to that? No, we're all on one podcast. Later. We, we want it to go well. I I just you you're really building up this special guest. I know. Well, now, now I think maybe, I know who it is. You know, I'm not going to guess, though. Now, I'm maybe too much. Like, I mean, they are a very special, you know, individual. But I think they would be annoyed that I'm pumping them up to this degree, possibly. Interesting. Very interesting. All right, good stuff. Check it out. And Connie Fox um, will be, of course, anchoring the coverage on NFL Network. Mm. So make sure you watch that as well. All right, good stuff. Tuesday show in the books. Anybody have any final thoughts? It's good. Greg, nope. get your expenses done from our trip to London? I have not done that, no. I have not okay. Oh, people should know the we didn't get a chance to uh, address it on um, Sunday night, and I'm afraid that I'll forget Thursday, and then people will just be confused. But um, uh, I got some you know, breaking news here, Ricky. This was the, the terms of the trade um, 
between Greg and I. Greg, of course, famously, last Thursday got jumped in the draft uh, because of a hesitation, like 2007 Vikings style. Um, I swooped in. I took his beloved Chargers-Ravens ball game. Greg came to me privately, hat in hand. He said, "Listen, we got to make this happen. We got it. We got to make a trade here. I need that game." And I saw leverage, and I um, exercised it. And I said, "Okay, you can have that game on Sunday. That will be your game that you're primary watching, and I get to jump you uh, at any point in the season going forward in drafts three times on three occasions. So I have three jumps of Greg Rosenthal." Uh, starting in week seven through the playoffs, but really week seven or week 18. So keep an eye on that because I'm hoping to make the jumps really, uh, really hurt, quite frankly. I want to, I want it really to stick in Greg's side. I, and be like, I knew you were, man, the Chargers and Ravens, it wasn't what, even a good game. Like, and I gave would, up what would on be the, uh, what would be the best for the show? Cause I said you could just jump me the whole rest of the season, but you, to your credit as a host, realized like, yeah, there's not as much excitement uh, in that. It'll it'll feel more uh, more drama with with this setup. I mean, Greg, I have to ask. I mean, a you know your first lever pull was in Mike Tice fashion to completely miss the pick, um, and then you turn around and overcompensate Dan to an extreme level. The the Greg's inner front office is um, you know I would say at this point in turmoil. Mm. It's Belichickian. It's like I live in the moment, move, though. And What's then ultimately, the I realized, like, if you just told me I'm picking third the rest of the season every week, I'm fine with that. Just give me the game I wanted this Sure, week. downplay it. You know, downplay <laughs> it as you, as you need to. That's fine. Fine with that. All right, good stuff. All right, you do so get we'll the turn. Here's... You know, you get the... You get the... What was that? <laughs> that was the snake. That wow. was a snake? I don't know. I can't make a snake sound. <laughs> That's the snake. All right. Schedule. Thursday. Preview show. Friday. Around the NFL broadcast. The numbers are... We're just doing huge numbers. Um, both nationally and internationally. We're doing big numbers. So, if you want to get on... It's like getting on the surfboard before the big wave. Before it's like, a, you know, you want to be on... You don't want to miss the wave. That's my surfing analogy. Matt Money Smith probably could do it better. Get on the board. Because we're doing huge numbers week after week. I think you nailed it from a kind of more a importantly, it's a good show. Surfboard. It's a good show. Oh, you know, we we're getting better, and it's a good show. Is it a good show because it does huge numbers, or does it do huge numbers because it's a good show? Is that the Don't same ask thing? questions. Don't ask questions. We're just we're riding that. You know, Sunday we'll be back with the flagship direct show. deposit. Put it right, right there. Thank you to Arif Hassan. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Ricky Hollywood, who I think's alive. I don't know. We haven't heard much from her. She's been under the weather. Ricky, you yeah, with us? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I made it. I okay. survived. Are you physically in a good place? Yes. Good. Yeah, it took about a full week, but no one, back. No one can get sick. No one can get injured. This, Never again. Th- these, these, these four people together, we must. <laughs> we, need, we need to get on a Cal Ripken-like streak starting now. All right. Dan Hansen signing off for Cal Ripken was a baseball player, played many games in a row. So you got to connect the Thanks dots, for that. especially the international listeners. Like, sure. who's Cal Ripken? <laughs> Signing up for Ricky Hollywood. So stupid. The old boss. <laughs> Calvin Ripken, you say? And the quiet Till Thursday, keep the car. <laughs>